When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca. And welcome to the Tuesday edition of Game Misconduct. I am Don LaGreca. If you read my social media yesterday, no podcast because the kids had to go to the dentist. And we were there a little bit longer than expected, so I apologize for that. Life does get in the way. Uh, wanted to get EJ Raddick today. He's not available till later in the week. He's actually calling the Stanley Cup final for um, international television. So congratulations to him getting that chance for a second consecutive year as he'll be in Denver and then eventually Tampa. As a Stanley Cup final is set, much to the chagrin of Rangers and Oilers fans, that it's not their team that it's going to be the Avalanche and the Lightning, which will begin tomorrow from Denver. And we'll break that down in just a little bit. Take your tweets as well at at Donald McGregor, hashtag game misconduct. But let's let's recap what happened on Saturday. Rangers season comes to an end. Four consecutive losses for the first time this year. And it really just comes down to their offense just betrayed them. And more importantly, five-on-five offense betrayed them, and which was an Achilles heel for this team all year long. For a team that had 110 points and flirted with first place and was a, a top-10 team throughout the regular season, for them to be basically even five-on-five tells you just how important the power play was for this team. They were good shorthanded, but five-on-five, they were very, very average. And a lot of these games, especially the last four, there wasn't a lot of power play opportunities. And the Rangers ended up scoring five goals in the last four games, four of those five on the power play. So the power play worked, but five-on-five, where you play the majority of the game, did not work. And it took Panarin out of the game. It took Kreider out of the game. Uh, Zabanajad did what he could, but it just wasn't enough for the Rangers. And let's tip our cap to the Tampa Bay Lightning, okay? Three consecutive Stanley Cup final appearances. First time that's happened in nearly 40 years in the National Hockey League. you got to go back to the 83-84-85 Edmonton Oilers, the last time a team has gone three consecutive times. They're going to try to win a third straight cup for the first time since the Islanders won four in a row. So that's how epic Tampa is. All right, so before we start, you know, breaking it down, what's wrong with the Rangers? Did they choke it away? Hey, they're up 2 nothing in Game 3, up 2 nothing in the series. So you can look at them being 30 minutes away from being up 3 nothing. but you know what? You don't play 30-minute games. You play 60-minute games. And the reason Tampa is so good is because they don't blink. They don't panic. They don't worry. And they just have been there and done that. Eventually, the run's going to come to an end. Maybe it'll be within the next couple of weeks against Colorado. But the Rangers just weren't ready. So if you want to be disappointed, you should be. And, and the players were devastated, and we'll get to that in just a second. But give Tampa credit. I thought the Rangers were the better team. I still think from a talent standpoint, they may be better. But that's not what gets you to the next level. What gets you to the next level is knowing how to win. And when you look at all four of those losses, the only one that you really felt like Tampa was the superior team and the Rangers just weren't very good was game four when they lost that game four to one. And we're down three nothing before Panarin scored with the extra attacker on the power play to salvage at least a goal in that game. The other three were all decided basically by one goal, taking out the empty netters and late in the game. 
you know, Palat scoring with 42 seconds to go. Uh, Sergachev having the puck deflect off a pool, uh, uh, um, Palat with a minute and 40 seconds to go in game five. And then game six, you know, with about six minutes to go, 21 seconds after Vetrano scores again on the power play. Stamkos comes right back and scores and gives the Lightning the win. And that was also very evident of how their superstars rose to the occasion. They were not there the first two games of the series, but then all of a sudden there's Hedman, there's Kucherov, there's Stamkos, there's Palat. And Vasilevsky is just unreal in these closeout games. The statistics are unbelievable, but not to take anything away from Vasilevsky, we should discuss how good the team is in front of him. They don't allow a lot of opportunities. And just ask the Islanders the last couple of years, the Rangers, even going back to 2015 when it was Ben Bishop between the pipes. It was just the style, and that's why I think John Cooper right now is the best coach in sports. So if you want to take the tact that Gallant was outcoached, and we could debate that, but if he was outcoached, he was outcoached by the best there is right now in the sport, and if not all sports, because I, I don't know. I mean, if you're, if you're going to start having a conversation and throwing Bill Belichick into the conversation, then guess what? I win, because if you if you get a resort to Belichick, then it tells you how good this guy's been since he took over um, for Guy Boucher way back in the day and what Tampa's been able to do. And they learned from getting swept by Columbus back in 2019 and have won 11 consecutive series, only two teams in the history of the sport have won more than 11 consecutive series and they'll try to make a 12 against Colorado but you know can the Rangers consider this a success Uh, I don't know I don't see how you don't because part of what uh, you grade success on is you grade success on um, how you exceeded expectations and I and I think people did not um, expect this team to be one of the three left standing at the end of the day Gallant breakup day yesterday was asked the very same question. Was this season a success? 100%. 100%. Now, did I want to win and be selfish and win my first Stanley Cup? I sure did. A lot of players down there did too, but I'm real happy. I'm leaving here today, going home, and proud of our season. Now, Reeves was asked, Was he? Uh, did they surprise some people this year? In everybody's eyes around the league, we overachieved. I don't think anybody had us going to the Eastern Conference Finals. You know, I'm sure a lot of people didn't have us going to the playoffs. I think we surprised a lot of people, and I think next year it's not going to be a surprise anymore. It's going to be a little more pressure on our shoulders to to make sure that we live up to what we are now, but it's going to be an exciting season with just with the growth that's coming. Now, Reeves is right, I and mean, we can sit here and talk about what a successful season it was and how they surprised people, yada, 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 but that's all gone now. Enjoy it while it lasts because it's going to be gone come October because now the expectations are going to be through the roof. And the hope is that they learn their lessons, especially from the Tampa series, but also you know falling behind 3-1 to a team in Pittsburgh who they were better than. You know, and, and learn from the lessons of what they were able to accomplish in Game Six and Seven against Carolina, and what they squandered, quite frankly, early in the Eastern Conference Final, having that two nothing lead, not only in the series but also in the second period of Game Three. So you hope to learn from that. So I don't. I, I can tell you right now, I don't think going just as far and falling short of the Stanley Cup Final is going to be considered a success next year. Now, obviously, you recalibrate. We'll see the injuries, and, and in a second, we'll go over who stays and who goes. But uh, certainly the expectations are going to be through the roof with their goaltender, Shesterkin, who proved that he is legit, with uh, Kreider and Zabanajad coming back, and the kids, you would think, at least Lafreniere 
and Heedle are going to be here. We'll find out what happens with Kako, and that was another element, Kako not playing in Game 6, and there's a lot we can debate about that. Uh, I think really the debate is if you're going to play him on the fourth line, don't play him at all because Kako is not going to be effective playing eight minutes. He's not going to be effective in the role of a checking line. So Hunt was probably better suited to be on the right wing of the fourth line. But I guess the debate is why would Kako be on the fourth line? Why break up the kid line? Even though they weren't successful in the previous three, they had success in this postseason. They were young. Um, but I, I don't, I don't know. And I don't. The one thing I do know is, is that I don't think Gallant was um, affected by his restricted free agency. I think he made the best decision for his team. It's not like Chris Drury's in his ear saying, "Do what you want with him; he's gone anyway." That that wasn't the case. And I thought Kako handled it well. Um, he's going to use it as motivation. Uh, uh, there's conversation that should there have been a conversation with Kako beforehand. I mean, that's debatable as well. But you know, Gallant knows his team. And with a team that was really struggling offensively, not doing something I think would have been egregious. He tried it, didn't work. It was the same old issues, not being able to score five on five, not getting enough shots, not getting enough traffic in front of Vasilevsky. All the things uh, still occurred despite changing all the lines up. And listen, they were affected by Strom's hip. They were affected by Goudreau's foot. They were affected by Lindgren's ankle. But everybody's got injuries that they're dealing with, and we'll find out at the end of the Colorado-Tampa series what players are sucking wind on that team and, and dealing with tons of injuries. So it all goes into the hopper for what you hope is going to be experience down the road. Now, one of the biggest question marks is Ryan Strom. He's a unrestricted free agent, a center, a second-line center, and has been just an amazing player for this team. It just never seemed to click with the Islanders and the Oilers, and then he came here for Ryan Spooner, of all players, and has become a major contributor to this team. And basically that hip injury that affected the last three games of the series was uh, was a killer. Uh, but Strom made it very clear, uh, talking to the media yesterday, that he wants to be a Ranger. Well, I just said to you guys at the beginning of the season, my longest deal has been my entry-level contract, so hopefully it's a little longer than that, but we'll see. Like I said, my first choice is still to be a New York Ranger. I think I've given them the indication that's my feeling, and if that's not the case, then we'll cross that bridge when it comes to it. I, like I said, I don't really know what to expect because I've never been through it. I have no idea. I've watched Trade Center and whatever, or Free Agent Frenzy and all that stuff, so I guess it'll be weird to see your name on that friends list, or on that list, but we'll cross that bridge when it comes to it, but uh, you know, we'll see what happens. This business is crazy, and I think things can change at any given moment and you know we'll see what happens but uh yeah and he got emotional during the um press conference yesterday as well listen he was drafted what the sixth overall by the islanders i think it was in the first round uh didn't click there didn't click with edmonton goes to the rangers with very little expected of him uh he's got a brother in the league uh, as well that uh, maybe he wasn't living up to what his brother was doing in the league and and, and he's become a really big time player he's 28 years old uh he's uh he's going to command a lot of money cop same thing plays the same center although i think cop is a little better at the wing than at the center position but he's 27 years old so here's what the rangers are faced with here they've got you know greg mckeg unrestricted ryan strom unrestricted cops unrestricted mott's unrestricted brodzinski is unrestricted vetrano's un- uh, un- uh, unrestricted and kevin rooney is unrestricted so they can't all come back you're talking about what like 12 and a half million dollars to be able to spend if if you try to keep the players that are currently under contract if you want to try to move something 
Then you got to think about next year, too, when Lafreniere becomes restricted. You've got Sammy Blay, who's restricted. You, or, or excuse me, um, Lafreniere will be restricted. Blay's restricted this year. Gauthier's restricted this year. Kako is restricted this year. So you at least you get compensation if Kako leaves, and you can look at what Kakanyemi happened, what happened to him leaving Montreal, going to Carolina. I could see that happening. I think can see the possibility of Kako going just because the Rangers would get something back and not having to pay him. Uh, you know, but you're looking at centers, right? You're looking at Strom and Rooney. Now, Rooney is certainly expendable because you've got Gaudreau there that can play the fourth line. Um, but, you know, McKeg is also a center. But those are those are players that you can kind of pick up from other places. So I would think McKeg certainly is gone. I would think Rooney is probably gone. Brodzinski probably gone. So now the focus is going to be, can you keep Stroman Cop with the money that you have and then plus use what you have to try to keep, you know, a Sammy Blay? Or does Sammy Blay go because he barely played this year and you were able to have success? So Gauthier, I'm sure, is somebody that you don't feel like you're going to twist yourself into a pretzel trying to keep. So to me, I think the focus right now has to be, can you keep Cop and Strom? And if I had a choice, because... It's really hard because Cop was such a contributor, and you did give up a first-round pick, remember, in getting Cop from Winnipeg because you went to the conference final, which you're fine with, but now that that's all over and done with, you lose the first-round pick, and now if you end up not even having Cop, you gave up a lot there for the one run, and then that's it. So can they possibly keep both with the money that they have left? That is a huge, huge question mark, and then you start to get into, well, if you can't, then where do you find the ability to kind of move some things around here? Uh, Braun also unrestricted as well. Again, very expendable because they're deep at the blue line. That's another question. With some of the young kids, you want to make some room for them as well. That's where I think some of the fourth-line players can come into it. So, And also restricted free agency for Miller coming up next year, and he's going to command a big salary too. So Chris Drury's got a lot of juggling around to do, a lot of changes and certainly how you look at the Rangers moving forward uh, is going to depend on what Chris Drury is going to be able to do this offseason. So a lot of tough decisions for Chris Drury and the powers that be with the New York Rangers. Who stays, who goes, and the salary cap definitely makes it a very, very difficult proposition. But it should be a lot of fun to see what they do in the offseason uh, for this year. Uh, let's take a look at what's coming up t- uh, tomorrow. Game one of the Stanley Cup final between the Avalanche and the Lightning. And certainly a huge advantage for Colorado that will be a disadvantage early. Similar to Tampa, nine days off before a series starts. You saw it took the Lightning a while to get their legs, and then when they did, they were a completely different team from three through six than they were one and two. I think the same thing can happen the Avalanche here, not having played since sweeping Edmonton. The games are in Denver. That's a little different than the Lightning having to play at Madison Square Garden. But that could be a huge advantage for Tampa to steal home ice and take game one. But Tampa has the pedigree. Tampa has the firepower. Tampa is going to get point back, which is going to be a huge help for them depth scoring-wise. He's a big-time player that they sorely missed, I thought, especially early in the Rangers series. But this Denver team, this this Colorado team, has got a lot more offense than I think the Rangers do. 
Their blue line is very, very effective. McCarr is special. Now they miss. They're going to miss Gerard, and, and I think they certainly missed him uh, during this run. But they played uh, only. They've only lost two games, and that was the St. Louis series. Otherwise, they had sweeps of Nashville and Edmonton. The question mark, though, that could balance out the Avalanche's firepower is in goal. Vasilevsky versus Kemper or Franzos, however they decide to play it during the course of the season, both contributed in the victory uh, to Edmonton in the conference final. This is going to be classic. I think this is going to go seven. I think this is going to be fun. I'm going to give a slight edge to the Avalanche because of the home ice advantage and what they've had to overcome to get here. And at some point, I would just think it's going to have to be just too much for Tampa. All the hockey they've played since basically September of 2020 when they won their first cup. And this Denver team is not Dallas. It's not Montreal, the teams that they beat in the Stanley Cup final the last two years. No offense to those two teams, but Colorado is clearly the best. So they're going to be tested. So I think that Tampa will be good early because of the layoff for Colorado. And then I think the Avalanche are just going to have a little bit too much. Vasilevsky is going to keep it going, no question. That's why I think it's going to go seven. But if there is a team that can compensate for not having the best between the pipes, it's going to be this offense. And and give Jared Bednar a lot of credit. He does not get maybe the credit he deserves because the Avalanche haven't been able to get to the promised land. But when you're watching the things that he has done, he's a pretty special coach. He may not be John Cooper yet, but he could be on his way to doing that because I don't think this Avalanche team is going to go away. So I'm going to pick uh, Colorado in seven. All right, let's hear from you at Don LaGreca, hashtag game misconduct. So let's dive in with your tweets. And Donnell Weaver says, so the Stanley Cup starts tomorrow night, Don. So who do you got winning the hardest championship in all of sports, the Stanley Cup, Lightning, or the Avalanche? And in how many games? Very hard pick right now. Well, you just heard my selection. Very hard to pick, so I'm going to go with the seven. And and again, goaltending is always important. There's no question, right? And you can say, well, how can you pick Colorado to win the Stanley Cup when there's questions in goal? But you know, take a look at you know, uh, you, you take a look at Campbell in Chicago. You look at Javi Bullen in Tampa when they won in '04. You know, you, you do see um, uh, Niemi won a cup with Chicago. That when the team is that good in front of them, sometimes it makes a, a big difference. Uh, David says, I didn't follow hockey the last two times the Avalanche were in the Stanley Cup final. For those of us that didn't see those teams live, what are your memories of those championship Av squads? I've always have to imagine the Nordique fans were upset seeing the 95 Avs win. Yeah, they were in they were in Quebec. Uh, they um, won the President's Trophy, I believe, or at least with a one seed in the East, and the Rangers beat them in the first round of the playoffs. And then next year... They go to uh, they go to Denver and they win a cup. Now I don't think they would have acquired Patrick Waugh had they stayed in Quebec City because I don't think the Canadians would have traded him to the Nordiques. But that was a major piece. The Avalanche were they they didn't have a weakness. You know their their blue line was just absolutely spectacular. Um, you know, you go to, you go to when they won the second time with with Bork, but you know having guys like Foot, um, they were uh, Uve Krupp. Uh, they had they were just very deep. But really, where it happened was the guys like Joe Sackick and Peter Forsberg. Those were special players, and adding to one of the greatest goaltenders of all time, Patrick Waugh. 
but they could fight you. You know, Mike Ricci was on that. They, they had just so many really good, fun players to watch there, and they were just. And there's a documentary that's coming out in E60 on ESPN about the rivalry between the Red Wings and the Avalanche, and it is going to be special. T- check out the trailer if you can. It, 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 it's going to just suck you in. So if you're somebody, David, that didn't remember that rivalry, remember those Avalanche teams from 20 years ago, check out that trailer. Check out that documentary. That's all you need to know. And they were just a really, really special team. Had different coaches too. Mark Crawford and um, um, that th- was there for a time. Hartley was there too. So they had different coaches, but they just had really, really good teams. And they were just they kind of reminded me a little bit of the Atlanta Braves in baseball, where they just won the division every year consistently in the playoffs all the time. Braves just got that one championship while the Avalanche were able to get a couple. Uh, Tom says, between Strom, Cop, Vetrano, Mott, who do you think the Rangers bring back? Well, I, I think you've got it right there in the order. Uh, Vetrano and Cop are going to be tough to come back from. And unless I'm reading the tea leaves wrong, you just got under $13 million uh, and to spend on Cop and Strom. Uh, and I would think you're look, one of those guys is going to make six. Like half of it's going to go to one guy. Do they just split it down the middle and then just let Kako go and let all the restricteds go? Very interesting, but I would think Strom would probably be on the top of the list. Uh, Robert Thee says, it was a great ride for the Rangers, but where do you think they go from here? What do you have to do to get to the next level? Well, when it's all said and done and the smoke clears on the acquisitions and all that, and who stays and who goes, the best thing the Rangers have going for them is how young they are and the experience they just gained. Think about how much better Lindgren, Fox, Miller, Lafreniere, Heedle, Kako, if he comes back, are going to be having that extra year experience. And the one guy that I look at that I think can make a transformation this offseason, and when you look at him this upcoming year, comparing him to what he's done his first two years in the league, you're going to be blown away by how special Lafreniere is going to become. We saw him grow during the course of the postseason, and I, I just just fast forward to like February of 2023 and you look at him, you're going to see a completely different player. I'm telling you, he has gained a lot. Remember he had no training camp his rookie year because of COVID played 54, of the 56 games last year. So not even a full schedule. So this was kind of his first training camp and a full schedule and his first taste of the postseason. And look how much better a player he was uh, by the time he got to the Tampa series compared to what he was in October and November of 2021. I, I, I think that's probably the biggest thing, Robert, is just the growth of some of these really good young players. Joseph uh, says, during yesterday's team breakup, no one asked Panarin if he was hurt. Why? He has um, he wasn't not himself during any series. Anyone know what was going on with him? Nobody asked him. That doesn't mean there wasn't an injury. But I usually we find out these things, and we didn't find anything out about an injury. Maybe it just kind of came down to that, you know, the league kind of figured him out. I, I keep bringing this up, but it's something that's noteworthy. You know, doing games with Dave Maloney, Dave Maloney would point out, you know, Panarin would enter the zone and just make a right towards the wall. And if Dave was able to pick it up and, and we're able to pick it up as fans, you know, like scouting the Rangers, that you kind of knew Panarin's act. Like he's, he's a skillful guy. But with with less room in the postseason, a guy that just didn't you know change his game a lot. Some of these passes, I think, some of them were beautiful, and some of them were just to nobody. Um, I think he was just taken out of his game 
more so than there might have been anything wrong with him. And I think he's going to have to start making some adjustments if he's going to want to be a, a big-time player. You saw from Stamkos and Kucherov, when, when things got hot, when things got desperate, they brought it. Now, Panarin, hey, the Rangers don't make the run maybe without Panarin's power play goal in overtime of Game 7. Uh, so, But that's that's the point, too, is that there's more room on special teams, and he could be a killer on the power play, but the majority of these games are played 5-on-5, five five, and he's got to be a better 5-on-5 five five player. Yankees-Penguins says, Hi, Don. Could you see Boston, Washington, and Pittsburgh all missing the playoffs next season or maybe two of the three? Yes, I can. Um, I've been kind of waiting for the shoe to drop on Pittsburgh for a while now. They're just so well coached with Sullivan. But what, where's Latang going to go? Where's Malkin going to go? Can they survive losing those types of players? Um, so I, I, I think Pittsburgh can. Washington's getting a little long in the tooth now, too. Their goaltender, their goaltending got exposed, I think, this season. Boston still has a lot of good players. But, you know, Bergeron's gone. Uh, Cassidy let go. So those are three really interesting teams, and I definitely think two of them um, will not make the playoffs next year. And that's good news t- for you know teams like Columbus and New Jersey. And certainly, you know, the Islanders should be able to bounce back. Some teams that weren't able to get into the playoffs this year. In order to make it, that means teams that made it this year have to not make it next year. Um, and I think there's going to be a couple of opportunities for that uh, to happen. Listen, this is a lot of fun. Let's come back with you on Friday. Just getting with the schedule and everything, it's just a little easier for me to come back with the podcast on Friday. By then, we'll have a game under our belt for the Stanley Cup Final. It's Wednesday, Game 1, Saturday, Game 2 in Denver, and then you'll play every other way uh, till the end of uh, June. I think June 28th, I think, is the last possible day when the Stanley Cup and be awarded all the games will be at 8 o'clock looking forward to it ABC uh, they did a great job all year ESPN I think they'll do a great job in the Stanley Cup final back with you on Wednesday want to get in touch with me at Don LaGreca hashtag game misconduct we'll talk to you again on Friday this was the Tuesday edition of game misconduct this is the game misconduct podcast with Don LaGreca